Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? It is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast, and it is a fantastic Friday, although like we've said every day, I don't like the weekend all that much. I love what I do every day, therefore, I don't so much look forward to the weekends on Sunday. I'm just staring at my computer in my office, and I just can't wait to get back in there. It's not like it was when you were a kid, you know? No. Especially when you were a kid, you love the weekends, like no school. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't like school very much. I was good at it. I was pretty good at school. I just didn't like it. I was bad at I school. Only, the only time I ever liked school is when I first started getting girlfriends, because <laughs> then that's when I would get to see them, yeah. and we would maybe hold hands, and man, back then- Big time in it. That was that was the thing. Did you that wear- was, Did you wear- Rubber gloves when you were holding, <laughs> when you were holding I didn't, hands. I didn't have a dad growing up, so I didn't know. Uh, didn't I didn't know. know to do that. You didn't know that you, you didn't know the dangers of of. <laughs> well, in this day and age, <laughs> these days the kids know to wear rubber rubber gloves because <laughs> they, they don't want that skin to skin contact. That's right. dangerous. Yeah, you know, that's really is. dangerous. Uh, by the way, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and that's Charlie. Chuckles Thompson over there. Chuckles. See Tilly for short. That's what he goes by over there. <laughs> Chuckles Thompson. And yeah. this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every hey. single day of the week, especially this week. We got five shows in a row. Killing it. Look, just a reminder, if you guys don't like anything I have to say, please send me an email, Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. <laughs> That's Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. And just a quick reminder, I know all of you guys that are listening every single day. Hit that skip button, plus 30 seconds right there. You guys are tired of hearing that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you like it. Maybe you're trying it on your own show. You're like, these guys are actually, this is working. (laughs) So anyway, hit that subscribe button. All you eight percenters out there, there's eight percent of you out there that aren't subscribed. Hit that subscribe button and just... This at this very next episode will just come directly to your favorite listening device on your favorite podcast app, whichever one it was. That you know, all of them have a some type of subscribe button or follow. I've looked at Overcast, I've looked at Google Podcasts and Apple. There's all kinds of them. So you guys need to hit that subscribe, hit that follow button, wherever it is that you listen. We would we would greatly appreciate it. And then that's why we come back here every single day when we want to, to do a show. <laughs> Most of the time, it's every day that we want to. Yeah. So, And if you are on Patreon, once again, you can hit that skip forward if you want to, but don't do it. Listen to this, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. If you're on Patreon watching us live every single day of the week, we got a close-knit group of liberty-loving friends on here that like to hang out, talk, chat back and forth during the podcast. If you're interested in doing that, then go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, and you can start hanging out. Maybe we'll talk send me some topics and we'll talk about it or we'll talk about it during the podcast. So yeah, you want to do that yeah, because clearly to be friends with us, you have to pay us $5 a month. That's, that's honestly, it's a pretty cheap friend. It's <laughs> it not is. that bad. Yeah. I think that's a good friendship deal right there. Yeah. I'm not even, you know, I don't even feel bad about it, especially in the middle of the pandemic. You know, I know it's a great discount friendship right over here <laughs> at patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. So listen, we got the weekend coming up. We're going to, you know, we've been looking at our at our COVID numbers every single day, obviously going up. Uh, oddly, I heard people say like, well, the, is the death or the deaths going to go down from COVID? And my initial thing is, well, no, that's impossible. <laughs> they can't. Listen, guys, the death number is not going to drop yeah. ever. That is an impossibility. Once someone's okay? dead, that's 
Now, if they, if they do figure that out, then maybe something good came out of this crisis. You yeah. know, if yeah. they do solve death and, uh, and, and the fact that people die, then, then maybe that'll be a good thing. But we're seeing numbers go up, although slightly slowing down. And you see maybe the stock market bouncing back a, a little bit, slightly, slightly up a little bit today. Had, had some pretty good, pretty good runs in the market. We ended with a profitable trading day. And that's, uh, that's what you always want. My watch says I need to stand up. I was just standing. Watch. Do your job. Do your job. I was just standing. Good Lord. Don't notify me right after I sit down that I need to stand up. Okay. Anyway, so we've been seeing these coronavirus numbers go up, obviously. And we're talking about, you know, we want to save lives. We're against death here. We're vehemently against death. Yeah, because we are all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. You can't be for life like that's the first word and you can't be for that if you're also for death. Yeah. So we're, we're against death. We're, we're pro-life here as far as uh, people not dying. We really don't want people to die. So when you talk about these numbers and we're obviously doing everything we can to flatten the curve, to try and flatten that curve and save lives and save the healthcare system and all that, maybe, maybe just maybe we need to consider the fact, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying it's what we have to do. I'm saying maybe in the back of your mind, are we actually going to have more people saved with our economic uh, situation that we're putting ourselves into? Are more people going to be saved from coronavirus than will be killed from the bad economics that is taking place right now? To me, now, if you say that, oddly enough, what I just said means I don't care about lives. Yeah. That's what that means, apparently. Well, because how does economics kill you? Right? I, I mean, exactly. That I, doesn't, economics doesn't get inside you. I, I don't know what socialists were ever worried about. You can't, uh, this whole time, they were mad about nothing. You can't drink bleach and get rid of economics. <laughs> But you you can drink bleach and get rid of coronavirus. We don't know that for sure. It was just an idea that the president had. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Maybe you can cleanse the inside. (laughs) Oh, man. Guys, don't drink bleach. Yeah, don't don't do that. Don't do it. Um, he, I, I, did you see that? I heard. I watched it yesterday. I watched it live. And I was just like, oh, no. (laughs) I know all the stories are getting ready to come Um, out. Oh, they're all. I've seen them all over. I did not hear what the actual quote was. I didn't pay attention to it because, listen, I don't think the president is truly recommending that people drink bleach. No, he's not. To kill coronavirus. So I really did not even look into it. I just assume that's fake news. There was a reporter that challenged him and he goes, he's like, you know what I mean? You're fake news. I know who you are. I read your articles. You're fake. (laughs) How'd you even get in here? (laughs) But he even, he even like asked his, you know, one of the doctors on his, on his task force and all this stuff, because they were doing a, um, a press conference and they basically did a slideshow of how, over the summer, in case you guys don't know, we've talked about this before, but apparently sunlight and UV rays and humidity kills the virus. It can't last as long. So anyway, they've been studying this for the last couple of months with the actual virus, mind you. And so the Department of Homeland Security has this super lab, as Trump called it. It's a tremendous lab. Best lab in the world. Super lab. Yeah. And they've other people's labs. Actually not can, that good. That's actually pretty cool, though, because they can suspend the virus in the air. They have this drum and they can suspend a virus in the air, which is testing the aerosolization hmm. as it as if it were to be aerosolized. And uh, then they can actually hit it with light and different stuff as it's in the air, which turns out that it doesn't last as long in the air as it does on a non-porous surface. It lasts the 
it lasts the uh, most amount of time on a non-porous surface like stainless steel or something like that. Um, in fact, on people, because we're porous, it doesn't last as long. Hmm. On the, but anyway, so they did this whole presentation. if you see the virus hanging out somewhere, the quickest thing to do is to rub it all over yourself. Just rub because it you can. can't. You just want to rub it all over yourself because <laughs> it, it that's what kills the virus. Yeah. If yeah. you can see them. It can't survive long. Yeah. And if you can see them, there is a say, spot for you on the x While these team, doctors probably. have the virus in the lab, if I were them, I'd sneak in and kill it at night when it's not paying attention. Right. I don't know why they didn't try that out. Why, why would like, they? Why are they just testing on it? Why don't they just get rid of it? <laughs> no, uh, but, I love joking about death. But but what they, what they, it was good news because like, look, the summertime is going to be great. Like hardly anybody is going to, um, there's, we're not going to see as many. Not, infections not as much beach shaming the, going on this summer the the half-life of the virus drastically reduces from 18 hours all the way down to a minute that's a it's a huge difference huge what's, what's the whole life um well you can't really me- it's impossible to measure whole life almost oh yeah so the way it works i don't know if you know this or not maybe um the way it works <laughs> get is your that pen and papers out guys you don't like you don't under you don't really know without measuring the entire sample when somebody coughs or something how many viruses are in that when when that person um in that expirant yeah. like when i cough how many how many viruses are in that droplet of saliva they don't know that for sure what they do know is how how fast the virus is reduced over time so if you start out with like a thousand viruses um if it's 18 hours, well, every 18 hours is the half-life. So you'll start out with a thousand and it'll go down to 500 and 18 hours later, it'll be 250. 18 hours later, 125. So they know in direct sunlight, it's one minute. So if there's, if you start out with a thousand, then every minute you'll be 500, 250, 125, all the way down to zero. So in a few minutes, the things, things dead. Huh? That's how they measure viruses and stuff like that. Unless they have, a sample where they know exactly how many you have. And then they could say, Oh, this will be gone in 28 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they don't know that timer starts because we don't know right then nobody, no, nobody coughs the same amount of droplets. So <laughs> they've been trying to kill it with bleach. They've been trying to kill it with uh, isopropyl alcohol and they've timed how long bleach killed. I think it was five minutes. Bleach, bleach was five kill minutes. It. That's right. Um, the alcohol was like, it was like 30 very seconds short. Yeah. And and the alcohol I saw randomly, you don't even have to rub it or scrub it or anything. Like the alcohol yeah. touches it, and thirty seconds, it's gone. Actually, if you rub it, it goes way faster. Yeah, which is which is so hand sanitizer, which is what that is. Um, you rub hand sanitizer on within about ten seconds, it's gone. What about pretty, vodka? Pretty cool. Now, now I say all that to say the interesting thing: vodka would probably work some. Actually, I don't know. They have they didn't release those test results, but we could probably test it. Yeah. I, but anyway, you know, this is an ironic time for me to be sober. You know? <laughs> I know. I'm so I'm in so much more danger right now. It's those alcoholics that are going to survive. I know. <laughs> all that to say, I want to just quickly say that Trump, of course, he has all these ideas, right? And <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing to talk about your ideas and the way you the way you figure out if you're right or not is you present your ideas, and then the world will tell you whether you're dumb or not. Yeah. And the problem is. <laughs> Is Trump should have these ideas because he's the president of the United States. These ideas should be held behind closed doors and not in the pr- not in front of the press. Yeah, because he said he's like he literally said he's like I don't know maybe we could cleanse the inside of the body. <laughs> he's like maybe we could use some of that alcohol to you know cleans out. And he also talked about bringing light inside the body, which is already UV tra- treatments and stuff. But it's like 
he talked about possibly bringing the UV light from inside the body to try to kill the virus in people's lungs and stuff like that. He's like, I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. That's well, what he said. Maybe, maybe it'll work. Is, maybe it won't. Maybe it's a good time to beef up that tanning bag t- technology. Yes. To get those UV rays. <laughs> That's right. To, to kill off the virus. That's Hey, if you're tanning, well, maybe you're doing well. That's why Trump tested negative. Right there. <laughs> no problem. Because he's orange. Okay. So anyway, listen, we want to save lives. I want less people to die. And if I have... If I have options, because listen, all you have are trade-offs. You don't just get to save everyone from the coronavirus and then nothing else happens on the back end from that. That's There's always a trade-off. That's all you're doing. So if you decide that it's okay to destroy the entire economy in an effort to make sure that no one dies from coronavirus, you have to ask, what's the trade-off from that? What is the trade-off? And the UN came out with a pretty good description of one of the main worldwide trade-offs. Now, this is mainly going to be in Africa. Uh, One of the main worldwide trade-offs is as the world's economies uh, collapse, it's going to get even worse in Africa. And it's already bad. It's been getting better. We, We talk about that. It's been getting better. But they are projecting that the amount of people in food insecurity, the world hunger, it will nearly double in the year 2020, nearly double. Now this is from a number of, what is it? 130 million in 2019, 135 million in 2019. They think that it's going to go to 265 million this year Mm. for world hunger. Now here's the problem. Let's go through this article and we'll just talk about whether or not having this conversation means that you don't care about lives. We'll, we'll, we'll just try to tear that apart just a little bit. At first, I had trouble following you only because you said a worldwide trade-off. And all I could think in my head was trade-off worldwide, worldwide, <laughs> worldwide. A trade-off uh, worldwide, uh, worldwide. Exactly. Prestigiously. Maybe we yeah. should start that. Uh, yeah, you anyway. start that? Yeah. UN warns world of humanitarian catastrophe as hunger pandemic looms post-virus crisis. Fake news. (laughs) Obviously, the UN doesn't care about people either. That's what it is. They don't care about lives. They don't. The coronavirus pandemic could nearly double the number of people around the world facing acute hunger. Not, Not obtuse hunger. This is acute hunger. It's worse. The UN's World Food Program, with a weird... ME at the end of it, said Tuesday its director warning uh, its director warning of a looming global humanitarian catastrophe. Uh, he said that we are on the brink of hunger pandemic. Is That's it, from David Beasley. So who, is Johnson & Johnson working on a vaccine for that now? I don't know. I mean, this is, pe- people work on hunger, but we know that the economy, I think we should shut down the economy to fight world hunger. Yeah. That's what we're going to have to do to fight that pandemic. Wait, what would you do to fight world hunger? Hmm. I don't know what you would do if you wanted less, if, if you wanted less people in abject poverty. I know. Uh, you would shut down all commerce, right? No, no, you just free people. Yeah, you would actually open up as much <laughs> commerce as possible. Yeah. Is what you want to do if you wanted to fight that. So to me, you have to consider these two options. We'll go a little bit further. Uh, the warning came as the WFP and other partners released a new report on food crisis crises around the world that predicted an explosive growth in the number of people threatened with acute food insecurity. Now, we'll keep in the back of our mind, this is a prediction based on a model, and so we will go 
at that with uh, as much scrutiny as we have with the coronavirus models and all of that. The fourth annual global report on food crises said the number was already on the rise last year before the outbreak of the new coronavirus. But the economic impact of COVID-19 is projected by the WFP to increase the number facing food insecurity to 265 million people this year, from 135 million people in 2019. Already the highest in four years, the report has been in the four years the report has been prepared which is crazy because as you guys know if you go to like humanprogress.org or you know you read the books that we said that we've suggested by johan norberg uh called progress then you'll know that we that, that we are slashing poverty and hunger at the fastest rates we've ever seen i mean literally to only have 135 million people in 2019 out of 7.7 billion people now that's pretty good, man. That's that's good. That's, that's pretty good. A hundred years ago, it was over billions was, of people. It was like eighty percent of the world lived in lived in some type of abject food poverty. Inse- so food insecurity. You were insecure until you finally saw that that cat running across the lawn. And you're like, oh, I'm going to shoot that thing with my bow and arrow, man. And then your food insecurity was over for a couple of days. Yeah. So you, everyone was insecure about food. That's a dramatization. Obviously, just so you guys know. <laughs> With COVID-19, I want to stress that we are not only facing a global health pandemic, but also a global humanitarian catastrophe, Beasley said. Millions of civilians living in conflict-scarred nations, including many women and children, face being pushed to the brink of starvation. With the specter of famine, a very real and dangerous possibility, he said. In a worst-case scenario, we could be looking at famine in about three dozen countries. And in fact, 10 of these countries, we already have more than 1 million people per country who are on the verge of starvation. Comparing the 50 countries in the reports this and last year, the number of people in food crisis rose by nearly 10% to 123 million people. Now, of course, these people aren't worried about their starvation. They're probably worried about making a living wage. Well, yeah, and, and these people's biggest fear every day is the coronavirus. I'm yeah. sure that's, yeah. that's actually their biggest fear. The increase was due to conflicts, economic shocks, and weather-related events, such as drought. The report found another 183 million were at risk of slipping into food crisis if confronted by an additional shock or stressor. COVID-19 could easily turn out to be such a shock, both as ill people overwhelm hospitals and governments impose lockdowns that have disrupted the economy and thrown people out of work. COVID-19 is potentially catastrophic for millions who are already hanging by a thread. The WFP's senior economist, Arif Hussein, said in a statement, we must collectively act now to mitigate the impact of this global catastrophe. Mm, Hanging by a thread. So now look, you posted something about this on our Facebook mm -hmm, page and mm -hmm. got some very interesting comments, didn't you? Just the stupidest comments you've ever seen. (laughs) Listen, if you are one of the, I'm not even going to hold back here. If you're one of the people who commented with some kind of ridiculous, stupid thing on our Facebook page after I posted this video, um, you need to check, you need to first off, check your biases. You need to take a second before you post really stupid stuff and consider all of the potential logic and ideas behind things and not just be so, so partisan and anytime you think someone is threatening your delicate worldview. <laughs> and so what they saw was me posting something about the people who are going to starve to death in Africa due to this entire pandemic, due to the economic lockdown, by the way. I was posting in favor of something that they agreed with. 
because a lot of people on our page are conservatives or libertarians, and they mostly agree that we need to open up the economy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm posting that millions of people are going to die from if this. We don't open up the from economy. From the economic shutdown, yeah. that millions of people are going to die. And all they saw was me posting a sob story about how we need to help people in Africa. And that's all they saw. And but, literally, we got a bunch of America first comments. What about America, man? What about America? We need to worry about America first, man. That's what we need to worry about. And so that's all I heard on our page. Hey, man, my, my wife's been losing weight, and I like her kind of big, so <laughs> we need to worry about America first. We got, I mean, look she at hasn't some been of this, able to fix that fried chicken since last <laughs> April. Just listen to some of the, just the, the dumb... The dumb stuff, by the way, are we starting the dumb bleep of the week section right now? Maybe. This is a new section, a Friday special section called dumb bleep of the week. And this is normally it's going to be things that were posted on Twitter, social media. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. It kind of sounds like every episode, but I like doing it special (laughs) on Fridays. This person says same story for the last hundred years, same story 50 years from now. So this person's saying, well, people have always been starving to death in Africa and they're always going to be starving to death in Africa. Well, it's true what about the uh, the idea that we might have doubled it because of our economic lockdown now this guy if i could talk to him for two seconds would completely agree with the idea behind posting the video but all he saw was that that maybe i'm upset that we cut funding to the state department or something Probably didn't like even that watch you know? the video i know they didn't watch it that's it uh this person said donate your salary for a year maybe then you could help uh, says we have millions of people starving in America. Take care of them first. What? This wasn't even about taking care of anybody. And there's not millions of people starving in America. No. Okay. That that's not true. Sam. <laughs> Sam. It's not true. Sam says on the live chat, "Fluffy wives matter." Hashtag Fluffy wives matter. <laughs> fluffy wives matter. They do. They there absolutely do. Uh, this person says, "I've seen the starving child in Africa." Adds one thing holds true. They always show a child, and then he talks about how there's always a sick child that's starving being held by a fat mom. <laughs> what? That's what this person's talking about. Okay? And they're, it's literally just all partisan hackery. While, and this person's like, how about America right now, man? Nice empirical evidence, by the way, from that guy. Yeah, it is crazy. It, anyway, could just take a second from your emotional response where you're just fighting among your political drawn lines that you can't ever, ever step back from ever and consider maybe what the point of the post could be because the point, you know, let's listen to the video real quick. Let's listen. I don't know if we'll get an ad here. We'll cut it out on the actual podcast. You guys uh, on the live stream, this video might force me to watch an evil tyrannical capitalist ad before we watch this video. Let's see. And the American people just aren't really aware of what's going on in Africa, in the Middle East. So as you said, eight aid organizations have come together to form a coalition to raise awareness and donations. And we've partnered with some great companies like Google and Twitter and Visa. We have Pepsi and BlackRock committing to match donations up to $1 million. But it's going to take a lot of uh, contributions to really meet the needs. The United Nations has called this the largest humanitarian crisis since 1945. I I hate to make this political, but as you know, the the recent cuts uh, inside the State Department, what does that mean to the funding for, 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 for these types of issues? Well, the proposed... Now, of course, this is on CNBC, just to cut in, and the anchor had to come in with, well... What about the recent cuts to the State Department? That's what this is. That's why people 
are going to, that's why we're going to double the numbers. Well, that has to do with cuts to the State Department. What about where the State Department gets its money? What about that part? You know, when they siphon money off of our, the productivity of our economy and then we shut down the economy and then the State Department doesn't have any money? What about tracing that all the way back to how that problem actually starts? No, it's not important. Okay. Budget that was submitted um, would de devastate humanitarian funding. Congress, though, has responded. And just a few months ago, they allocated $990 million for famine relief, desperately needed. And we're urging the administration to process those funds and get them out the door as quickly as possible so we can get aid to people. But the reality is that's just not nearly enough. Even with the contributions that the U.S. government have made and other governments, we're only about a third uh, funding um, for what the United Nations says is necessary. And as you go and visit some of these communities and places, I was recently in Uganda with South Sudanese refugees, you see that there just simply isn't enough food, water, and shelter for people who are very, very desperate to survive. Um, you have collected up a, a, a lot of donations uh, from corporate America. Uh, there's a big question uh, still going on in corporate America about charity, charity in corporate America, where, where charity should come from, uh, if you will. Yeah, so uh, what they then go into here is they've got donations from all kinds of massive companies in here. And that's where this organization is actually getting the money so they can do the help that they're, that they're, they're wanting to do. And the point behind this, I wrote down one thing. She said, we've only got about a third of the funding to stop this from happening. A third of the f funding to stop this from happening. That almost sounds like money is important to make sure that people don't die. Doesn't it? Mm, mm, I don't, what about this whole lives over money thing? I don't know, man. I mean, it's not a virus. I guess so. It's not a virus. so It's not the coronavirus. You can't really be worried about it, I guess. Uh, so, Well, this, okay, so this is like, okay, the virus is an invisible enemy, let's say. This is even more of an invisible enemy. Like, it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that if supply chains are cut, and people aren't able to freely trade and businesses are shut down and all of this, what kind of impact, like what's the margin, what's the thin margin some of these poorer countries are running off of? I mean, it's like, if you don't get up and go to work that day, like you don't eat the next day, you know, some of these, that's how some of this, how some of it works. Well, you think about you know? what's the impact. We can all talk about how, uh, just say Apple's running an evil, evil factory somewhere in Africa. I don't know if Apple, you know, Apple's probably mainly in China. We'll say Apple's running an evil, evil factory in Africa and Apple's sales go down by 50% and they don't need those people to work there anymore at that factory in Africa because they don't need the products or they need way less hours from the people or they can pay less money or they can whatever. Maybe Apple's a bad example because they're kind of always profitable. You guys get the idea. Like this matters. Plus these countries rely on donations so they can help. They rely on their shipping. You know, when I was in, when I was in Djibouti, that's where the main uh, Maersk shipping uh, port is, where you see all those massive ships. And uh, that's where the reason there was a military base there. And that's why I was there. Uh, that's like the military base where you see the Captain Phillips movie. And uh, there's a massive, massive Maersk shipping uh, port there. And so there's really big economy, especially in commerce and shipping around the Horn of Africa and doing all of that. And also they receive donations from when people have extra money, they send it or they have what little jobs they do actually have. 
And like Charlie said, there's a very, very thin margin where they're barely getting by. Actually, they're not really getting by very well already. And now we're shutting down that economy. Our economy affects their economy because they don't have a whole lot of commerce between all the people that live there, but they do produce some things that we use or they work in the shipping sector, the, some of that, or they take in some of the donations from the profits from our commerce. So shutting down even our economy or Europe or any of these places affects the people in Africa. And so I think what's important to think about here is what are the options? And in doing this, let's say that you thought all human beings had the same uh say right to life and the fact that you know you you should be able to live you should be able to uh work and earn money and earn an income and and exchange value with other people let's say that all human beings were equal and you cared about all of them equally regardless of what border they were within now maybe some people that were conservatives might not agree completely with that with that crazy idea because you would say, well, we don't need to be taking our tax money or you're not going to take your entire salary and send it to Africa because you're in the top 1%. We say this all the time. If you're making $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the whole world. So you should be taking your entire salary and sending it to Africa. Let's just assume that we cared about human life in general, regardless of the country. Now, people on the left would say that that is what they believe in. Unless they're in the womb. And yeah, unless then, then that's okay. Yeah. Well, let's say that that's what they believed in. And people, you know, we have to care about the people in the poor, the poverty stricken countries, and all that. So if you're going to do the arithmetic on the idea that we need to do anything we can, including shut down the world's entire economies so we can stop people from dying from coronavirus, could you ask yourself for a second, are you actually? going to save human lives over the course of 2020 or will more people die because of your decisions to stop people from dying from coronavirus that's the only and somehow what i just said was i care about lives over money that's what i just said apparently money you care about money over lives. yeah i care about money over lives sorry and yeah you're just a heartless toothless bastard man just toothless i don't know why this old toothless over here you got you bought one of them cats and started now, taking meth now listen out of the hundred <laughs> out of the 135 million people uh, that were in the world hunger statistics um 36 million people are projected to projected to have died in 2019 from hunger that's about 26 percent right around 26 percent if that projection held if that statistic holds and we hit that 265 million people, then what that is going to equal is around 66 to 70 million people dead from starvation. That is an addition of 30, anywhere between 30 and 40 million more human beings around the world that would die that would not have otherwise died. What's the projections for <clears throat> coronavirus? That It's a, a couple million. Right now we're at almost 200,000 deaths total. Yeah. And, and we're about 3 million cases. And I mean, we just have to listen. I don't want anyone to die from anything. I truly don't want anyone to die from anything except for old age. They, and they're asleep and they die in their sleep. And that's how I want 
that's how I want people to die. <laughs> Eventually, if you're, if you're gonna, when yeah. they're ready, if they're gonna yeah. die, that's how I want people to die. I don't want anyone but to die from anything. With modern science and all that, you know, there's no reason that's people just, can't live to be two fifty, maybe three hundred. That's just why I won't sleep, you know, because I never wanted to die in my <laughs> that's sleep. That's why you have narcolepsy. I'm scared of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. That's why I'm so fearful of the narcolepsies because I'm afraid of dying in my sleep. <laughs> that's what it is. So let's what was I talking you want to die when you're awake listen I don't want anyone to die from coronavirus but let's do some terrible 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 projections on this and say that without doing anything five million people are gonna die from coronavirus and now we've reduced that down to maybe 500,000 people are gonna die but on the back end we caused 40 million people to starve to death. Did you actually save lives by doing that? Well, they're, they're not here, Nate. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're not in America, so yeah. we don't care about their well, lives. Well, that's weird. It's, now you got the, the left is apparently very strong America firsters because <laughs> they don't care about all the people around the world that are going to die because of this economic yeah. shutdown. Yeah. You know, it's but just, think about how many Americans even. I mean, we did we ran the numbers on just America. Yeah. I mean, you now have almost 27 million people because I think there is another four or five million people applied for unemployment this week. Yeah, 30 is the number I've heard constantly. So, like, look that you're look you're running 24, 25 million people in unemployment now, and if we reach 30 million in unemployment, what did we tell you? About 40,000 people die for every one million unemployment goes up. Now let's say let's cut that in half. Be conservative and cut it in half down to 15 we'll just round that off to 10 to make it easier that's 400,000 deaths 400,000 deaths just from from people going being unemployed in america yeah that's from suicide from increased uh, i mean you have alcoholism addiction you have general uh, worse health overall people not taking care of their health listen a free healthcare system quote free unquote free Healthcare system takes money from an economy for it to be free for people. And if you don't have the money to siphon off from your economy, then you can't provide the free healthcare. And you can't even provide the free parts of the healthcare that we have right now to people, including Medicare, Medicaid, and all of those things. It all takes money because none of these doctors are working for free. The nurses aren't going to work for free. The people who build the hospitals aren't going to work for free, who make the medical devices. You guys get it. You guys understand all of it. People cleaning the floors in the hospital, sweeping up the coronavirus with the bleach vaccines off the floor are not going to work for free. They're just not going to. So you need money and a system so we can all exchange value with one another. And if you cut off the supply of that money and then promise more money then you even were paying, you're going to end up not having it. You're going to collapse your economy even further. And you can't even afford to pay for the things that we've already promised. This is not, this is not good. And it's very frustrating that people like us could be labeled money over lives kind of people. I'm just really glad that we, through the economy, we're going to be sacrificing about 400,000 people. So only 100,000 people could die from the virus. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really glad that 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 happened. That's great. You know, another thing I saw too, by the way, you, you know, New York is running antibody tests and they actually have an infection rate closer to uh, 14%. And so, you know, there's what 20, let's say 20 million. So 14% of that would be 
uh, to about 3 million people have been infected instead of 276,000. So you look at 3 million people infected with only 21,000 deaths, the mortality rate goes way down. Yeah. Way, way down. Well, there was a study out of Santa Clara, California, where they just set up testing sites, and they found that actually it's something like 10 times the number of infections than what we think, at least in the sample size that they did, several thousand people, yeah. that the infection rate is way higher than what people actually think. And the Santa, the Santa Clara, California study actually brings the mortality rate for coronavirus down to 0.2% because so many more people Basically are the flu. infected and they don't know that they're infected. Both of us could have been infected. We both had fevers for a few days. We both could have been infected and never known. And that is getting coronavirus and surviving. That matters. And then your mortality rate for coronavirus goes down to 0.2%. We're never going to know this number or we're going to know it maybe five years from now. And I still won't trust the number because we know for a fact Literally, they said they're counting people as coronavirus deaths who never tested positive. But even if they do that, yeah, and you think about all the people that it's literally the flu. I know. I, I know. And, and look, I, I send me an email if you're mad that I'm not taking this seriously. Even though I said take it seriously and take some personal responsibility, separate yourselves, stay at home if you can. Yeah, I've said that, but it. I'm going to say right now, it's literally the flu this what, is the flu what i learned from this is maybe we should all just take illness more seriously maybe we should all because this you know we've i think we finally hit today uh charlie you can pull the numbers if you want to but i think we finally hit the amount of people who typically die in a year from the flu we hit uh just about fifty thousand. okay so we've we think we're at fifty one thousand okay. three hundred and forty two. So your general estimate for the flu is around fifty thousand people a year in the United States die from the flu. And so now we've crossed that number, assuming that every single one of those was actually a coronavirus death. And that's okay because you can assume that some people have died from it and didn't get counted. So so that's okay. We'll just assume it's the fifty one thousand. So now we've reached the death toll of the flu so far. Like I said yesterday, I think we'll double it. It's only, it's going to slow way down and then it's going to pick back up at the end of the year. So we're going to add in a bunch more at the end of the year. Uh, more than, listen, guys, I'm not a doctor. Okay. Not yet. Working on it. I got, I'm, I'm on a masterminddoctors.com. Are, med- are you in medical school? Yeah. yeah. I've been going. That's what I do in my spare time. My, all my spare time I have. <laughs> but listen, I, I think we'll hit 100,000, 110, something like that. But anyway... We have to, I don't know if it's wrong to do the math on this. I just don't know if it's wrong. So can we, you want to, you can tell me about another bit of, uh, uh, what are we, what are we calling this dumb bleep of the week right here? Yeah. I've got this thing from the governor of Michigan. Just how does this make you feel, Charles? From the, the governor? The governor of Michigan. Uh, this is pull. We're pulling this from Young Americans for Liberty's Facebook page. You guys should all check out Young Americans for Liberty. If you got a few extra bucks after you go to our Patreon and send some of it to us, send some of it to Young Americans for Liberty. Also, it's a great organization, a really great organization. So this is the governor of Michigan. That's wait. By the way, that's yaliberty.org. Yaliberty. Yeah. 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 Liberty. Yeah. It's yaliberty.org. That's what you need to go to. Liberty, liberty. Here's Governor Whitmer. With regard to any of the the blatantly political conversations about taking executive power away from my office, I'm just going to reiterate for I don't know how many, the upteenth time, 
I'm not going to sign any bill that takes authority away from me or from any future governor. The powers of the executive office are incredibly important, especially in times of crisis where lives are on the line. And um, I don't know that I've got much more to say on that. Okay, good. I don't want you to say any more anyway. Please stop. Please stop saying things. I will. I'm just not going to sign anything that takes power away from me. I mean, at least she's upfront and honest about it. I will not do anything that takes power away from myself. I will. I will definitely sign things that give me more power. Oh, but if you're telling me that this is going to reduce my power. I'm not signing that, man. Her power is only going to go up. She has set a, a, a backstop on her power. She's hit the support level of power, and it will not cross that level. You better double down okay. on it now, man. You better buy more. <laughs> if I could invest in executive power, I would have been a billionaire by now. <laughs> man, it's crazy. I mean, that's what you hear from an actual executive of a state. You know, states can be tyrannical too, by the way. Absolutely. It's, it's any, not all. Any government can. Your HOA can be tyrannical. <laughs> Trust me, dude. I know all about that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that's, uh, we talk about making things local all the time. Listen, the more local, the better. If all I have to worry about is my HOA, well, I have a lot more power. Uh, I've, I thought I did. And my <laughs> HOA, I have a lot more. You have a lot more influence. I have a lot more influence in my HOA than I do uh, in Washington. But your local government, it can't just be, well, we left it up to the states, therefore we don't need to check any of our power and make sure that they're not being tyrannical. You always got to be paying attention to these folks. Okay, yeah, you do. This lady needs booted out. Okay. <laughs> Come election time, we need to go ahead and boot her out of there. Okay. One more year, that's well, all she's is, got. This is the problem with trying to fix government with government. Although I'm not against getting people elected that you know will hopefully reduce some of these things and you see it like you know tennessee reduced the licensure laws and you're seeing states all across america uh, repeal the death penalty and all kinds of things like that so it's not that it's impossible but this is the exact type of people that end up in these positions yeah those who seek power will find where they fit in their power structure they will find it and they will fill it and they will increase it any chance they get uh, I think Judge Andrew Napolitano called that uh, libido dominante. Dominante, yeah, something like that. Dominante, dominante, dominante whatever. Dominantas or ta- so, oh, I was thinking the like posse My bad. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's not French. I know that. It's, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> probably old, Latin. Old Latin. Yeah. But anyway, it's the it's lust. Latino speak. You it's know. the lust to dominate. The lust for power. Yeah. You know, we have this like they. Uh, you know, you, you did you ever see that Stanford prison exp- experiment? where they had um, students, some play guards, some play prisoners. And you would see like when people are given a little bit of power, what they will do to their friends because of the rules, yeah. right? It's just, it's unbelievable. I've, you've seen, I've seen the studies before where, where they would, they would tell someone they were doing a study and they were, they were shocking someone who was the test subject uh-huh. and there would be a doctor or someone with a clipboard. He wasn't really a doctor. It was, it was, it was the study and he would tell a person to hit a button, and each time they did it, it would shock the person more and cause them more pain. And they'd all agreed to do it, but the guy, you know, whoever was getting shocked was supposed to tap out eventually. And so they did. They kept shocking more and more. And the doctor uh, would keep telling the person to keep hitting the button to shock the person. And even though the person in the chair was screaming, let me out of here, I'm done, don't do it, the doctor would be like, 
hit them again, hit the button again. And the person would keep doing it and keep doing it to the point that the shock and the person would scream and cry more and more with every single button that the, every single time they pushed it. It's a terrible experiment. <laughs> and then eventually what you found at the end of it was that the person was an actor. There was no shock. The person was not a doctor. And they were testing the person to see. I think Jordan Peterson talked about this is where I heard it. They were testing the person to see how far they would go to inflict pain on someone if someone in a position of authority was, was tell, of authority was telling them to. And, well, and they would just keep doing it. all the way to death. All the way. <laughs> That's like... We're not stopping. No, literally, they had like heart rate monitors on. They would say like he was close to a heart attack and all kinds of stuff. And the person would just keep doing it because the doctor was telling them to do it. Jeez. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. So a little bit more. Sorry, I'm kind of, I guess, controlling this, but I've got all the videos in front of me right now. You, so You do have those. I've got the videos. So that's why I'm running this through the dumb bleep of the week right now. I like that name. I think it's pretty good. Who else would you have for the dumb bleep of the week other than this girl's face right here if you're watching live from the Patreon group? Miss AOC. A lot of you guys have probably heard this, but you oh, haven't heard God. us talk about it, so it doesn't count. Oh, this one's this one might take the cake. It's crazy. I'll vote on this in the live. Oh, this gosh. one's taking the cake, I think. Yeah, we'll see who we'll see what wins overall. There's a lot that we could be doing right now, but ultimately the I think when we talk about this idea of reopening society, you know, only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. Josh, <laughs> that person's in Congress, by the way. I don't know if you guys know that, but yeah, she is in Congress. What's weird is like her paychecks don't stop. No. Yeah. Like she's sitting at home, not really doing anything probably. And she doesn't want to go back to work. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> It's best like, case scenario. Why don't we just pay everyone from this government? Like I'm getting a check from them. We'll just yeah. pay everyone out of the government and no one has to leave their house and we'll all be happy and healthy. Does anyone ever ask where the government money comes from? Yeah. Sorry. It's just there. From where the government money comes no. in the proper Queens English there. It's so, just there, Nate. I don't know why you it's would just there. Yeah. You'll tax the rich. I mean, she keeps getting checks. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, of course. No, it's crazy. Like, uh, we're not going back to that. We're not going to go back to a life of working 70 hours a week. So literally, this is being turned into, you notice she didn't say, we're not going back to that. It's too dangerous. I don't want to get sick. There's a virus going around. No, she doesn't want to go back to working 70 hours a week. To put to food on the table. By. This has transitioned to her political ideology and saying, hey, I finally got everyone to where they can just not work and we're just going to keep sending out money and extra, an extra 600 bucks a week, extra 600 bucks a week. I'm almost there. Okay. I finally got everyone to this position. Now I get to argue for my political ideology, which is that no one should go back to work in this capitalist system unless we get some big changes. Then, then we can reopen the economy yeah. or with a, a, a living wage. If we can, then it's safe. She didn't say this. I'm elaborating on what's probably happening inside her brain. If there is anything happening inside of her brain, we don't know for sure. The tests are not back yet. 
if she, she might have tested negative for things happening in her brain, but if she did te- test positive, it would probably be something like, if we get a $15 minimum wage, then it's safe to reopen the economy, is, it, is what's in her head. Then it's safe to go back to work, to put, food, yeah. to put food on your table. It just bothered me that she didn't say, we're not going back to that. And if I would have paused right there, I would have assumed she would say, it's too dangerous. People aren't taking proper precautions. They might die. No, that's not what she said. Work. Work. Not, we don't want people to go back to work. That's, that's what it is. So those were the three parts of the dumb bleep of the week. We have another article in here we can run through real quick. But um, well, I just want to talk about that for just a little bit because it's unbelievable. Do you guys realize? I just I harp on this all the time because I just I get so frustrated, and I'm not saying feelings don't matter. Your feelings matter, but sometimes you have to have some type of perspective and a sense of proportion as Milton Friedman called it. <laughs> and you have to look back a mere hundred years ago and realize most of you out there would, would you wouldn't go to school. And if you did, it'd only be a, for a couple of grades and then you drop out and guess what you would be doing. You'd be helping your family farm probably because back in the day, that's all you could do. Like you hunted and you farmed for your food because you couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe probably definitely way more prominent than 130 years ago, like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when the industrial revolution started happening, at least over here in America, things started to pick up a bit, but it wasn't really until what you, what would you say about world war two, probably world war one, world war two, 1920 in the thirties and stuff like that, the things started to pick up, but still most people were poor back then. Almost everyone. I mean, think about your grandparents and your great grandparents and everyone that, that dropped out of school when they were in second grade or third grade. Why? Because he had to, to work. Get married. Or they, had to work. Yeah. You got married in third grade. Yeah, back back in those days. Oh wow. You know, we didn't coddle. Well, we didn't coddle our children. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm not calling well, for marrying. Wait, how old would you be at that time? In the third grade. Well, you're 12 when you're in sixth grade. So. Is that true? You're yeah. kind of on the older range. I was a young in, in my okay, class. Okay, you would have been 11 so in sixth grade. Maybe but. they never allowed for marriage when you were eight, okay? <laughs> oh. Maybe more like 12 or 13. Yes. All right? I'm just talking, you know, back in the early days. That was early, early days, though. That, not, Pretty, the, not the 18 or 1900s. I don't know, man. I just saw this video the other day. It's still happening in some places, you know? <laughs> yeah. It still does. Well, well check your get your facts right. That's for another podcast. <laughs> what the the point of the story is? <laughs> I is threw you off there a little how, bit. How how ungrateful are you that you don't want to go back to work to put food on your table? Like this never been easier to put food on your table, and and we want all these guarantees, as Bernie Sanders said yesterday. Like as Bernie Sanders said yesterday, economic rights are human rights. We want like like we think that we're guaranteed a car and a phone and a smart TV and a house and a job. And like, man, a hundred years ago, people would just kill for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, literally for these types of opportunities, they're, they're lurking everywhere, everywhere. So just have a sense of gratitude, even, even among the, the pandemic recession crash that we're going through. It's still way easier now than it ever was. It is for sure. And you would think, 
uh, from Bernie. What I wish I could be in a room with Bernie for a few minutes. Economic rights. I would assume that economic rights might mean that you have the right to an economy. <laughs> First <laughs> off, do we have the right to an economy? <laughs> Possibly. No. No. Only if the government yeah. allows us to have an economy. Well, what so, is a what is an economy? I mean, is two or three people trading with each other? Is that an economy? Uh, well, that is an economy. Yeah. But what if you're blocking a massive portion of people from being able to do that in the way that they want to? And that's not a, that's not they it's not a free market. They don't have eco economic rights, economic rights. <laughs> so let's talk about Tennessee. What happened here uh, last Sunday, Nate? I mean, yeah, there was a protest, and this is just ridiculous because obvious plant in the audience here oh yeah obvious plant that the news got right in front of yeah and just made sure to get right in front of there yeah and that that was probably one of the other news anchors standing back there with that sign in front of her face <laughs> so tell me tell me about this so this is coming from the sun anti-lockdown protesters protester wields vile quote sacrifice the week poster at reopen tennessee rally an anti-lockdown protester was spotted carrying a vial sacrifice the week to coronavirus sign at a reopened uh, reopen Tennessee rally. The woman, who wore a scarf and sunglasses, was seen holding the placard in Nashville on Tuesday as calls across the U.S. to lift lockdown restrictions. The poster reading Sacrifice the Week, Reopen Tennessee, was seen in the background of a WKRN news report. Weird that they would do that. Out of all the people down there protesting, they would do that right in front of that sign. Yeah. The twisted message seems to suggest citizens considered to be more at risk from the virus should be written off as collateral damage in a bid to rescue the economy. What about all the people who are going to die that, that that like that like they're not collateral to saving the people who would have otherwise died from a virus? Other people who are in fact uh, still weak in other areas. You know, just so you yeah. know, those still sacrificing the weak right now is is what you're doing. My biggest thing with this was that listen, if you actually think that this was an actual person who truly believes this, I'm sorry. I do not believe for one second that someone who wants to end the lockdown actually took a sign that says sacrifice the week to coronavirus and took it to a, to a rally. I don't, I cannot bring myself to believe that there is actually anyone that stupid. Maybe there are, there probably are. I'll there, see what signs AOC has made lately. There probably but, are, <laughs> but Listen, can I? If I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist, real quick, this person was not actually on the pro in the economic lockdown side, no. and the fact that so many people could believe that that's actually a real thing—they're just believing what they want to well, believe. That, and you're going to take the poster of one person, yeah, and let it speak for everyone there, yeah, regardless of the signs that they're holding. This is the. This is, you know, I saw a post on, um, I was having a conversation on Facebook the other day with, again, you know, family and friends of mine, and they were explaining, they were con uh, contrasting the protesters to reopen the economy versus, you know, Colin Kaepernick, Dick, uh, pro protesting the flag. And they were saying, why is one, why is protesting to reopen the economy? Okay. But Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the flag isn't. And I was like, actually, they're both okay. They're both freedom of speech. Like they both can protest and however they want peacefully. I don't see a problem with any of if, it. If if I'm what I would say on that, which is my view on the Colin Kaepernick thing, if the person that owns the team and the field that you are conducting that activity on 
uh, actually is okay with that happening because even people in the stands are not allowed to just have freedom of speech in any kind of way that they want. You can get kicked out for saying things because of the person that owns the stadium. Well, well you can still do it though. Well, you can do but it. But they'll kick you out yeah. or you can get fired. Yeah. This doesn't, you can, you're not, you're not going to go to jail Yeah, for that. Same with these protesters. Like, that's okay. And everybody was saying, oh, people just, the you know, these far right conspiracy theorists are just protesting because they want to get a haircut. <laughs> I'm like, really? You think that's why they're protesting? Because they want a haircut. Now I'm like, close that's, to that. But that's that's the reason for the protests. <laughs> Not because they lost their job or they've been furloughed or they would like to make some more money or they their investment account is down or something, their 401k is down and they need to make more money or whatever. It's not because of that. It's because of a haircut. Well, don't worry about That's the investment. That's the reason. Bernie Sanders tweeted yesterday that we need to place the well-being of the normal people over the well-being of hedge fund hedge fund managers. So that's what you're worried about right now, or really just the hedge fund managers yeah. is what you're worried about. Not the funds that those managers are are, are managing, not not what's in those funds. That they're hedging. <laughs> that they're hedging. Not uh, everyone's retirements and all of their money. People have this weird thing with like- uh, Where do you think the hedge like, funds get their money? You guys realize that stockbrokers are rarely investing their own money. They're investing your money and their and your mom's money and your dad's money. And they're like, all oh, this money going through Wall Street and these stockbrokers. Like, it's not all their money. Most of it is everyone else's yeah. money. Okay. It's, it's your money that they're managing. The stock market crashing is mostly your money that is crashing. Okay. So anyway, I just took a side tangent because man, my, I think a dream of mine would be to be able to argue with Bernie Sanders, uh, to debate Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's like a dream. Well, I have I to have. run for office for that. He's going to die. Though. I know there's by the time I got up to that level, uh, I don't <laughs> think he won't be coherent. I'll just tell you that yeah. if he was. We've hey, already passed that point with Joe Biden. Looks looks like uh, AOC. AOC won the contest. The <clears throat> dumbest bleep of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine I, that. You know, her, Maurice wants a haircut. I want a haircut too, man. This thing is, this is done. This is, I can't do anything with I told this. you just go, just let it go. He, you've got the Jason Stapleton look going on, actually. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. If a little bit longer, Although, just let it go. Just, you know, just slightly better Frozen, looking man. overall, but- like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I have going right now. It's just getting a little long. I don't know. So that's why I went to you. Should we post a picture of when, it, when we're in the Rosewick wine? You, your hair was like shoulder length. I was, back then, it was man. down. I posted it before it was down. It was Oof. down like right here. That so, thing was cooking. This is pretty long right now. It goes all the way down to, uh, I mean, if I were to do this for the live video right now and get back to my emo days right man, here. Yeah, there we go. I mean, look at this. Aaron. Aaron knows what we're talking about right here. That's some band right there. Oh, look at this band happening right now. <laughs> we should. Uh, it's pretty good. We should. You should just let it go. Just see yeah. what happens. Yeah, sure. And we'll sure. move it. We'll move the podcast out to California. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh man. Okay, guys. So that is right at an hour. We don't really have anything else. That's. That'll wrap up a Friday, I think. That's a good that's a good Friday week weekly recap right there of all the dumb bleep of the week right there. I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. So listen, if you guys are interested in what the heck is going on in the stock market right now, 
what is it? What is a stock chart? What's a candlestick? What's a trend? What's a trend line? I don't know what this crap is. If you guys are interested in learning, so you can just have some information so you can know what's happening. Maybe maybe you want to invest a little bit, uh, you know, and you want to learn just how to read and analyze the stock charts like we do using price action doing the price action trading support resistance levels. If you want to look at all of that and learn just a little bit, you can go to mastermytrades.com. There's almost a hundred videos on the website right now, almost a hundred videos on mastermytrade.com, starting from picking a brokerage, a, a stock charting platform, learning how to use it, learning what a candlestick chart is, all of those things. Marie said, taking back Sunday. Nice. That was one of my favorites back in the day. We love taking back Sunday back in the back in the old days mm-hmm. for sure. If you guys are interested in learning about all that stuff, you can go to mastermytrades.com and learn some of the strategies that we've been using for a while now. Had a great what were we done trading in 10 minutes today, I think? It's about 10 minutes, pretty sure. Only so, because of the stock got halted. Yeah, that's actually why. It got halted for five minutes, and that's yeah. how it took about 10 minutes into the market. Well, technically, like three minutes the thing, total. The thing moved up so fast that they shut down the trading on it, and guess what? We already owned it at that time. So that if you want to learn why we already owned it at the time that it moved up so fast it got halted, and why we were sitting there being like, yes, halt, this thing's going to open up even further. So if you want to learn why we got in that thing, then you can go to mastermytrades.com. Go ahead and sign up over the weekend. You'll just make my day on Monday when I come in and finally check my email. So go <laughs> go do it. <laughs> I, I love how you crudely interrupted yourself in the middle of that. You're, you're like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys everything that you need to know about trading and then uh, taking back Sunday. And then let's bit. go back oh, to trading. I to, love it. I'm trying to interact with the live group here just a, just a little bit. I love it. So you think I'm just interrupting which, you. I'm interrupting even me today. Which, all you listening on the podcast, if you want to be and part- And I don't think people care about the interrupting, If you want to really. be part of these interruptions, then you can go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty for as little as five, for as little, for as little. Good morning, Liberty. Patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. Liberty for as little as five dollars a month, then uh, you too can be part of this live action and making comments and and letting Nate interrupt himself with those comments and stuff. It's, it's all good. It's all perfect, actually. Do that by going to Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. And if you guys could do a couple things for us that we'd appreciate more than I think you would know, <laughs> way more than you would know is share the show more than charlie thinks you would know exactly share the show <laughs> with a friend share the show with an enemy tell a couple people about it some of you out there we just got a facebook message the other night somebody's taking the episode challenge uh another person's taking all of the episode challenge they're on episode six right wow. now so wow that's pretty awesome go back I and d- listen i didn't even listen to episode six <laughs> go back and listen to all of those and uh, then leave us a rating and review and tell us what you think about the show we would we would appreciate that in fact I think we should start reading some ratings and reviews, actually. We should. So if you post a rating and review, then we'll grab one of them. We'll grab our favorite, so make it good, and we'll read it on the show for you. So uh, if you guys do all of that, then hopefully we'll be back again on Monday. Until then, have a good day and a good weekend liberty.